Good afternoon, America, and welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, and we are coming to you live here on this rainy Texas Thursday, uh, June 3rd, 2021. It is the third, right? Yeah, I think it is the third. Okay, guys, I hope everyone's doing well out there. We are live today on, uh, today we are actually live on the Foxhole app, Twitch, and Trovo. So uh, trying out something a little bit new, trying to spread my spread my wild oats, as it were, across different platforms. Uh, we had done a live on DLive for the last few days, so I figured, hey, why not go ahead and show Trovo some love? So we're on Trovo today. Should be running live and well, all hopefully, uh, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, we got uh, we got a pretty good show for you today, I suppose. Uh, we've got uh, some audit news, uh, and we've got some Fauci news. Seems to be the topics that are dominating the headlines right now. And I won't say too much about what's going on with Fauci, uh, but what I will say for sure is something's going on. Um, I, I think I've heard uh, many a comment, uh, whether it be in reading or, you know, just listening uh, that, um, you know, what is going on with Fauci? Why is it now all of a sudden that they have decided to basically uh, uh, put him out to dry, as it were, um, or you know, he's he's a he seems to have become what some people are referring to as the fall guy, um, and I would have to say um, that could be true. Now, not if you're someone like the mainstream, lamestream legacy media, with the exception of like maybe Tuck Carlson. And we all know from that email that we saw uh, about, about a week ago here on the program that Tucker is, in fact, you know, good friends with Hunter Biden. Um, but we'll go ahead and let that rest for now. Um, so, uh, you know, because he's been on he's been getting cover, of course, from the likes of CNN and MSNBC. I think I saw a clip where basically they were saying something to the effect uh, was MSNBC said, well, you know, when uh, uh, personal emails come out and you still look good, well, uh, that a lot of people can't say that. So, you know, uh, you know, you can say that, you know, Dr. Fauci. And I think CNN had said something to the effect that uh, it was all about Trump and, and that he showed that he didn't have any partisanship or animus against Trump, and that's what the emails revealed. So right away, you see for their lemming viewers that they're already trying to spate over it, you know, with uh, this uh, whole notion that, yeah, he didn't say anything about, you know, not wearing masks because they're not effective. Yeah, he didn't, you know, get any information about hydroxychloroquine or anything like that from dozens of people. I mean, it seems like I mean, you never realize what people like that get in their inbox. But I mean, he was receiving like just information up the wazoo. Um, now, a lot of people have spilled into these emails. It's like something like 3000 pages worth of emails uh, from Dr. Fauci that were released to the Washington Compost 
even though Judicial Watch had been after such communications for quite some time, I think since April of last year, April of 2020, Judicial Watch had sued FOIA request style to get communications uh, from Fauci. And, uh, and, and nevertheless, you know, I guess as soon as they decided to press on it, um, they went ahead and released those emails to the Washington Compost. Now, I mean, I don't know how anyone else is finding these because they're out there, obviously. Like, I was able to download the whole lot of them. I know a bunch of you guys out there were able to do that as well. Man, it's like, I think I got up to page 17. Um, I was like, whew, this is a lot to go through. But we'll be going through that later on in the show towards the end of the fall of Fauci um, because that's basically the way he's being hamstrung, right? He's being strung up. Uh, he's being uh, left as the uh, the fall guy for this, which is fine. I mean, he deserves everything that he's going to get. Um, but I mean, I mean, if I were to kind of think and analyze this, I would agree with what I've heard from some people that this is probably a big distraction from something. What could that something be? You know, because obviously uh, they're trying to push what uh, more of these uh, COVID variants that are coming out trying to scare us with that. That distraction's quickly not working, especially when you have drugs like ivermectin that are being used internationally. And actually, they actually helped. It, the ivermectin has been helping the people of India, and India is probably one of the worst hit countries at this point um, in regards to uh, the COVID variants, the deaths, and the lack of, you know, I guess, um, sa sanitation that they have over there. But that has been a big help. Um, that's already being reported. And then right now, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the show, hydroxychloroquine, guys, hydroxychloroquine is most definitely coming back to the surface as uh, these emails where people were telling Dr. Fauci about hydroxychloroquine have been coming up. And I was a staunch supporter of hydroxychloroquine. You know, I listened to my president you know, and that's not to say that the man is not infallible. I mean, we're all human. We're, we all make mistakes. We all have some uh, level of, you know, fallibility, I guess you could say. But uh, in regards to that, um, there was nothing to say that it was not effective, except, except the words of the media, the words of the media. And it was actually the Washington Compost that really started that spin We'll examine that later on because we're going to have to hold the media accountable, not just Dr. Fauci, but the media needs to absolutely be held accountable for the thousands of deaths that took place in our country and around the world. When, because because even what these people said, even that fake Lancet report that was just, you know, fake news, 100 uh, percent, even that on the heels of that report coming out. The World Health Organization, you know, that that uh, that uh, that tainted and, you know, globalist organization, they even issued a, an emergency halt to the use of hydroxychloroquine in international countries like Sweden or Switzerland, I apologize, and the United Kingdom. And that in itself led to a bunch of deaths and uh, needless deaths and illnesses to progress in those countries because of the Lancet report. So the media needs to be held accountable for this too. Dr. Fauci is not the only one guilty of, um, of uh, uh, progressing this, uh, this disease and this death upon this planet. So we'll take a look about we'll take a look at that a little bit later. But in regards to what I think it's also a big distraction for, it's the election audits, guys. They are trying to distract us with everything in the book. 
um, including, you know, life on on uh, different planets, which I mean, I mean, I do believe that's true. But, you know, like um, I've just I, I haven't had one come down and I can report on it's not in the headlines now. Yes, they are releasing all of the different, you know, um, um, classified previously classified things they're showing and these are things that we've seen for a long time right um you know uh air, reports of like uh the air force uh showing footage stuff like that you know um but again um my main question is why are they pushing it so hard in the mainstream lamestream legacy fake news media and again i think that is also just a big distraction i think it's mainly on these audits guys because uh as we'll talk about in just a sec we have um, Arizona, of course. They're almost they're almost through. I mean, they only got 14 pallets left, right? We got that. And then we have, of course, Pennsylvania sent a delegation down. And now there's news that Georgia is going to do the same thing and send a delegation of, uh, of representatives, senators, what have you, to inspect uh, the audit site and see if they can't bring that back to their home state. So... I think that's primarily, this is like, you know, it's kind of like uh, they need they need a huge distraction or they need a really big false flag of some type to get that going. Okay, so I'm already speaking too much. Let me go ahead and, um, no, thank you, Nylon Camel. Let me, let me go ahead and get a going with yesterday's chat recap before we jump into the rest of the C report. Uh, let's see here. So we had uh, Monkey Toe 71 in the house. My repeat, Mr. C. Felon. Welcome, welcome. Christina Fontana, good to see you. Aloha. You're, you're quickly becoming a repeat offender here at the C report. Babs, the ice queen. So good to see you, ma'am. Um, we had a wonderful chat last night. I'll tell y'all a little bit more about that in a second. Cloud Watcher was in the house. P34V3Y, otherwise known as Micah from France. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, Babsy Ice Queen said, my doctor sees me in the room and takes her mask off. She hates wearing it. Gah, I wish we had doctors like that all around uh, because we've been to some establishments recently with uh, the doctor's visits and stuff like that where, yeah, they, they get very apprehensive when you don't wear your mask um, or, you know, uh, they get very passive aggressive. Um, and I just, you know, in Texas, you know, they can't force it on you. But if these people are so indoctrinated in fear, you know, they're going to go ahead and continue to do that. Chatternuts was in the house. Hey, Anka, Chatternuts, good to see you. Um, I'm guessing that that name switch, Miss Anka Banka, might mean something good is coming for Chatternuts and Foxhole in the future. I do certainly hope so. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Shepherding Shepherd in the house. How, how's it going, Shepherding? Always good to have you in the house. Red Ant says, these people always have another plan in the works. They'll figure out a way to dismiss the Arizona audit findings. And you're right. They always have have another plan um but we'll see we'll see what happens i don't know like i said short of them you know dropping a bomb somewhere in the country or maybe having a mass shooting there at the arizona audit site itself uh, i don't see how uh, or what they're gonna now of course they're already making preparations like um um uh, secretary of, of state katie schnobs over there in Arizona has already said things to the effect that, oh, well, you know, the data is corrupted because they sent it somewhere else offsite or, oh, well, you know, um, the machines are corrupted, so we can't use them anymore. Like they're already painting those narratives to try and kind of curve what's going on with these people. 
um, and, and during this audit. So we'll see what other games are trying to play. Of course, they still have all of their uh, army of litigators there trying to uh, to stop them up and, and stop up the gum, the gums, right? So how's how that phrase goes? Stop up the gum works over there in Arizona. So we'll see what happens in that regard. Uh, Palmer, 1951, courts will slow that down. Yep, 100%. They use lawfare and litigation to bottleneck every move that they're making. And I think that's why in this case, uh, they're getting very frustrated because they've already sent so many lawsuits in the direction of the Arizona Senate. Uh, and even against uh, the the, uh, the auditors themselves, like they uh, were trying to foible uh, the SOPs of uh, cyber ninjas. And uh, they, they were successful to an extent, only up to a point, but it really made them look pretty bad. It, it made the, uh, the judge look, I mean, the judge is like, you know, appointed by by the wife of, uh, of Bill Gates. And that's Bill Gates of Arizona, not Bill Gates of, of Belinda and Mel Gates. Um, and and we all know that they were as a member of the Maricopa County Board, BOS, POS of BOS, right, uh, that they were against the audit to begin with. So there's that. Um, let's see here. Monkey Toe 71 says Babsy Ice Queen. <laughs> he's doing a chat recap from yesterday. Yep, that's what I do here at the Sea Report. Um, and then Babs responds, Oh well, uh he he now has me all mentally jacked up the jacked the hell up. So welcome, welcome. That's what goes on here at the Sea Report now. At the Sea Report, Miss Babs, I don't know if you're in the audience today. Let me take a look real quick. If anyone sees Babs, say hi for me. <laughs> Anyways, no. So I, I don't have time. I, I will look at it in a sec, I promise. But um, at the Sea Report, for anyone who's new or who's just stopping in, I will do a chat recap at the beginning of the show because I, I find it hard for me to get through the report in uh, you know a certain amount of time if I don't do that. Someone asked me yesterday, "Do you recap uh, the Twitter and the D Live chat as well?" And I was like, "Oh, I was like, actually, no, I don't." <laughs> but that's because um, here in my uh, in my software machine here i'm able to see the the twitch sorry i said twitter again i always say twitter um i can re, i can see the twitch comments and sometimes i can see the d live comments so uh i might actually engage them but i i don't tend to do that because then i cannot get through the c report in a timely fashion now if you guys were hanging out with me and babs last night uh last night i did a um I did a, I guess, like a, a demo of a new a show that I want to do. And so that one is called an Aurelius Lock. If you're out there, thank you, buddy. Um, that one is called uh, Mr. C at Night. Um, so um, that one is going to be a more casual news show where I can actually stop and engage, uh, you know, and chat and, you know, actually chat it up with you guys and stuff like that, as opposed to just doing straight reporting. Um, but during the C report, I do straight reporting. So now Mr. C at night, um, it's a news chat and special guest type of show. Um, it's very casual. It's done in the dark. <laughs> so um, I don't know what time or when I'm thinking I'll do that maybe two or three times a week. 
I won't do it necessarily um, every day. And then, of course, uh, people are saying, well, Mr. C, you already do the news during the day. So why are you doing the news at night, too? Well, it's because and as I explained it in last night, y'all can check out the replay if you're interested um, that, uh, you know, I don't always get to touch the headlines that I like that interest me. So uh, during the Mr. C at night show, um, it'll be a casual uh, chat and news show uh, touching on the headlines that I don't always get to bring up during the C report because I like to, to really kind of bring substance to some of the articles and the news headlines that I present here during the C report. So I do a lot of digging and, and stuff like that. And then I also get long winded like I am right now. And then I also like to talk about President Trump at the head of the show. And sometimes he has like 20 or 30 minute interviews and I will play them at length. But um, tell you what, guys, just real quick, um, I'm going to play for you all the the intro to the Mr. C at night show. So just for the, just for, you know, show, for um, shits and giggles. Uh, and then that way you guys can, can kind of see what it's all about. And so I'll do that real quick before we finish out the chat recap. And then uh, we'll get back to what we're talking about. Just, I don't know, tell me in the chat what you guys think about it. And then, yeah, we'll call it a day on that. And that's it. <laughs> so that's it. So I'll be doing that a couple of nights a week, maybe three times a week um, in the in the, the later hours after the sun goes down. So you guys can check that out. Join in the fun if you'd like. Um, we'll be able to do um, chatting and, and just, you know, having a, a, a good old time. And then also, if anyone wants to join in the conversation, I'll be dropping in the link for y'all to join me if y'all want to come on screen and stuff like that. It's a good time. I mean, I, we had a blast last night. Um, I'm sure Babs can attest to that. And uh, who is also in the house? Darth Q369 uh, was also in the house. So, um, well, what is it? Um, Plum? Plum bumpkin, something like that. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm botching your name. Anyways, it was a fun time. Okay, back to the chat recap. Monkeytoe71, I've sorted out, I have a sorted past too, Mr. C. Oh yeah. See, I love this. I love this. Um, uh, Monkeytoe says, I have a few uh, to be, oh, I have a few uh, to be young and dumb. Yep, same here, Miss uh, Miss Monkeytoes. Shepherding Shepherd, Mr. C, deplorable felons. Thank you very much. Oh yes, we are deplorable felons. And then Babs the Ice Queen uh, was asking, Mug shot oh do tell the dirt oh you want me to spill the tea um i mean it was honestly it was just uh it was dwi and um i mean i i did i did all my things i had to do got that all wrapped up um but you know um yes to be young and dumb very true miss monkey toes and i would say i would say um i'm i'm actually very lucky that i did not hurt anyone you know as we get older as we lose our hair we realize the error of our ways right and so i i was in retrospect i was i was very lucky that i never harmed anyone because i was yeah yes young and dumb back then and then i just why i love this like you guys are so like like 
honest and up forward. Like uh, Palmer, 1951, said twice for me, minor stuff. Babs the Ice Queen says, I have like 20 walk-in closets full of skeletons. Monkey Toes, I have a cemetery or two full myself. <laughs> so I just, I love that, guys. You make me feel like I'm not like, you know, some you know weirdo criminal out there but you know they tried to shame me like they tried to shame me uh the the left the the, the progressive you know those people the trolls like they actually posted my picture and they were like "Ooh, did you serve your time or oh you know like i was like really i was like how old are you anyways okay i was like yeah, there's no shame here like i i did everything that i needed to do to get that wrapped up and you know um I talked a little bit about my activities on cruises last night, but I will not, I don't, I don't, I don't do any of that anymore. So, okay. J-Bell was in the house. What's up, J-Bell? It's good to see you. 17 Angels in the house. Um, let's see here. Oh, Micah was, Mr. C looked great in liberal costume. I should show them sometime. Okay. So back when I was over at the Q&A crew, we did a liberal show where we went liberal. <laughs> so we all, it was, it was a really funny show. Um, I don't know if it's out there anymore, but yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Babs, the ice queen, Mr. C, do you wear suits just for the show or are you getting off work? Uh, Miss Babs, um, I, I do dress up uh, in this suit tie and there's no need to know what's going on down below uh, whenever I am uh, doing the show. So whenever I come on air, I don't I don't have a job where I'd have to dress like this, nor am I coming home from church or anything like that. Um, I just enjoy getting dressed up. I had a job. Um, um, well, I mean, I used to work at, uh, as a jewelry, uh, a jewelry seller for JC Penney's. Like I worked at the jewelry counter. Let me tell you guys some of the discounts that you can get there as an employee at that, you know, sweatshop is amazing. Like you could stack four coupons on there plus your discount. Uh, so I, a suit like this, um, cost probably like less than $10. So, uh, yeah, that's why I have a bunch of different suits. I have I have a closet full, honestly, because I was able to get them remarkably cheap um, and ties included. So yeah, I, I didn't have to get dressed up there, but you know, I did. I like to I like to dress up. Like it, for me, it's fun. I think uh, it's not everyone's taste, obviously, but like you know, I, I like enjoy people who put time into their appearance, not in a vain way. Uh, if you don't like to do it, don't do it, obviously. But just you know, it's nice to see people, and I'm not dogging people either. But it's nice to see people not just in like you know, joggers and like a t-shirt. I mean, it's comfortable as hell. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm there with you guys too, but I, I do like to get dressed up. Anyways, Nick Walls was in the house. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, Chatternuts was talking with J-Bell um, that uh, they're loyal to the foil show is awesome. I got to catch the replay of that. It was really good. I wish I could have seen it, seen it live. Jen K Canadian bird in the house. Uh, again, we got, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm getting long on this. Let me see here. What else we got? Uh, Cloud Watcher also new york slimes washington compost yep quoting mark levine uh and i like this that she made it odd she made it apparent that mark levine was not the goofy trans rachel levine yeah is there any relation there okay so don't hold it against me but we are going to play a brief mark levine interview later on in the show it's in regards to covid so we'll we'll talk about that love warns thank you so much for gifting the donation of ship uh that was definitely appreciated um any donations are always appreciated. Uh, so I thank you again, guys. Okay, Curious Cat was in the house. Uh, and Just V also. Um, oh, Just V was talking about catching the replay. Well, just so you know, Just V, the replay should be good to go here on the Foxhole app. So um, if you if you missed any of the shows, uh, we got that uh, taken care of. Thank you, boss. 
Of course, I'm talking to Methods out there because he's always got my back whenever stuff like that goes on. So most definitely a big thanks uh, for that. I don't think I don't feel like I think the man in person enough. You know what I mean? And uh, I haven't been able to attend his morning coffee and chill shows because uh, I've I've had like I do work from home right now um, while I can because I have not had steady work since COVID happened. So um, uh, I can't take calls and listen. I tried. I tried. <laughs> I tried to take calls and listen to the show at the same time. And it's, it's really hard because I find myself ignoring the calls <laughs> and they're like, hello. And I'm like, dang it. Okay. And then I have to take them out of my ear. Uh, and then one time I had a call and I didn't have it in my ear. And then like, they were listening to the, the, the morning chill and chat uh, coffee and chat chill. I, sorry guys. And it was just a mess. So uh, it's hard for me to do that. So while I got the ability to get that uh, money, I'm, I'm taking advantage of it since I don't have, uh, I don't have a steady, steady source at the moment. Okay, guys. All right. Let's get into today's C report. And uh, we'll start with statements, news from uh, Donald Trump's desk, President Trump. Yep. From the desk of Donald J. Trump. Now, as you all know, um, he has, well, I say he, like uh, yesterday I was like, I finally have a reason to be mad at President Trump. <laughs> he took down his news desk and now I have to hunt for his uh, statements. It's true. It's true. I do have to hunt, but it's okay. It's okay. Like they're still out there. Uh, it's just, you know, a little bit more workload on me, but it's all good. Let's see what he had to say yesterday. I didn't check for any updates within the last hour, but uh, this is what I got for you guys. Uh, I also had some for you yesterday, so that was kind of cool as well. Uh, I will dig, dig, dig if I can, guys. I will dig as much as I can. Uh, this is a statement from President Trump from yesterday, June 2nd. It does say here, I'll go and expand that further for you. Incredible to see that Rhino Governor Doug Ducey, I call him Doug Baducey, of Arizona just vetoed a bill that would have outlawed critical race theory training for state employees, and another that would have banned the mailing of ballots to citizens who never requested them. He did this under the guise of passing a budget. For those of you who think Doug Baducey is good for Arizona, you are wrong. Our country needs Attorney General Mark Bronovich, who has done little so far on voter integrity and the 2020 presidential election scam to step it up. But patriotic Republicans in the state Senate are making up for unelectable rhinos. Yes, that's a good statement there. Is that yet? Yeah, we'll put him up in a minute again. That's a good statement there from President Trump. Now, if you guys were with us last night uh, during the Mr. C in the Dark show, uh, we actually went over an article. Okay, so Mark Bronovich, the attorney general over there in Arizona, uh, he's more concerned with Go Ogle not turning off their location on their devices and lying to their customers. Okay, yes, this is a valid thing to sue someone over, but why isn't he acting on what's going on in Arizona? That's what I want to know. Why isn't he acting on the fraud that's been found there? Why isn't he helping to protect uh, the uh, the election integrity over in Arizona? That's what I want to know. So good call, President Trump. He's definitely calling out both Badusi and Bronovich. And then also last night, if you joined us on the Mr. C show, see, I'm telling you, the Mr. C in, in the dark show, I'm telling you, headlines I don't get to cover here during the C report. Um, we played a uh, we played an ad for someone who's running for governor uh who's who's seeking to take the place because i mean he's up he's up anyways his time's expired he can't he can't uh you know run for governor again right but um the only reason we, we why we played it 
was because the lady's name is Carrie Lake. So um, Carrie Lake, if you're out there, I hope you win governorship. No, uh, we're talking about Carrie Lake here in the foxhole. But Carrie Lake over there in Arizona running for governor uh, was a news reporter for Fox News locally there in Arizona for 20 plus years. Uh, she talks a good game. You know, um, we don't know, of course, because she was obviously one of these people who were reporting. Uh, but she did leave Fox News or, you know, her job because of how liberal it was getting. And that's why she quit. So I think that that's kind of a good sign of, you know, where things could be going for that woman. I don't know her from Jack. I won't be voting for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're over there in Arizona, uh, there's no telling how many people. Oh, ho, ho, ho. we'll talk about that later, too. Uh, Secretary of State Katie Schnoms is also going to throw her hat in for governorship. If you can believe that she's going to do that and she's going to succeed, then you obviously believe in the Easter Bunny. OK, all right. Uh, here's another statement from President Trump. Um, nothing against Easter, guys. <laughs> Nothing against Easter. But anyways, okay. Um, we had another statement from Trump from uh, in regards to uh, Rhino, former Congresswoman Barbara Comstock of Virginia. Now, um, this one is actually from the first. So you know what? I might have to dig up some that I missed, but hey, at least we're getting them covered here, right? So in regards to this Rhino, Barbara Comstock, uh, Trump had to say, uh, Barbara Comstock of Virginia, who lost her race conclusively to someone she should have easily beaten, now goes around telling Republicans how to get elected. Again, guys, we don't want to take advice on how to win from losers, right? Okay. So any Anyways, it says she had no problems being with me while in the Oval Office or when she needed something. She and other rhino losers like Mittens Romney, Little Ben Sassy, Lisa Murkowski, Liz Cheney, Adam Kisslinger and Carl Rove, Carl Rove, who's, you know, over there prancing around with Little Prancer. Do you guys know who Little Prancer is? I've talked about Little Prancer here before. That's Ali Akbar or Ali Alexander. Uh, yeah, that's that's Carl Rove's little prancer. I'm sure he prances around for him in the bedroom. Are what's really wrong with the Republican Party, not the great MAGA Republicans, conservatives and patriots. Yay. And I'm glad he put that under um, uh, he put that under uh, that same uh, blanket all at one time. Because MAGA people are not just Republicans, obviously. They're conservatives, they're patriots, uh, they're classical liberals, they're, con uh, they're constitutionalists. Um, they could even be libertarian, you know? But uh, the libertarian movement pretty much was derailed by Gary Johnson when he started acting like a weird lizard person on live, you know, national TV. He was just, he was shilling, he was shilling. Just like that other one, uh, I can't remember what his name was, but the other one did too. Okay, uh, so here's some news about President Trump that we're going to go ahead and talk about. I'll go ahead and put this one on the screen because, okay, we know that they're going after President Trump, the DA in New York, and the Secretary, I mean, the Attorney General over there. They're going after him because he had, uh, he had, you know, a good, good notebooks on on how to play the tax game, right? So we'll see what they get out of there. I say go ahead and move forward with it. I mean, they're not going to be able to do a 5 a.m. raid since he's still surrounded by Secret Service, you know, and, and let alone let them come in and bust down his door at 5 a.m. with guns. I'd like to see that happen, right? Okay, so it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> People out there in left liberal land probably don't realize that he's still protected by the Secret Service, right? So that ain't going to happen. Okay, at least in my opinion, we'll see. We'll see. What, I'll eat my, I will eat my pocket square if he does get... <laughs> 
if he does get raided, uh, a la Roger Stone in his 5 a.m. boxer shorts, right? I hope that does not happen. Don't need to see that again. Okay, and then, uh, so now here's the next thing that they have going against Trump. Here's what's coming in across the Mr. C News desk. Um, now we have um, um, reporters, reporters who are, are talking about to the Justice Department how um, President Trump and his administration, um, that they went ahead and they uh, took information from them. Um, uh, more accurately, it says that uh, Donald Trump like it was Donald Trump himself, right? Secretly seized phone records from four time New York Times reporters from January 14th through April 30th, 2017. So this was right at the start of his administration. This is, of course, when the FBI and the CIA were leaking like a sieve all the information that they had and all the fake information that they have. So as to build their own narrative up in their minds and in the minds of Americans that, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump was evil and he colluded with the Russians and Russia, 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 you know, all that good stuff. So right when FBI and CIA are leaking like sieves, right? Like this is when uh, the Trump administration secretly sees these phone records. Um, so uh, this, uh, this, uh, I got two articles, and and you know it's it's funny today because I was seeing a bunch of juxtaposition in the articles that I was reading, and so I thought it was good to bring it up to everyone's attention because, of course, we know that there's media out there that obviously spins propaganda or lies, right, in order to further brainwash those who are listening to them, but also, you know, to go ahead and, like, it's that wrap-up smear campaign kind of thing, so this way they can get away with what they're saying, you know, and then also just to disprove, like, you know, we still see those, um, um, uh, even can some, some can, we'll have an example of a conservative one later on they tout themselves as conservative but yet what they talk about is uh is like well we'll talk about that in a minute when we get there so this one was from reporters committee for freedom of the press how great does that sound they are the reporters committee for freedom of the press right and this is what they're talking about here uh they say that the reason why donald trump secretly seized these phone records is because it was part of a leak investigation and they use they they have the little apostrophes there a leak investigation and uh so it says uh, this marks the third notification from the biden justice department that the trump administration authorized prosecutors in 2020 to seize metadata from reporters without advance notification in an effort to identify their confidential sources so right now i would say this yes the Trump administration was probably trying to identify who in the FBI or the CIA was leaking this information to the New York Times reporters, because we all know that it happened, right? So um, th this is already, their plot's already foibled. It's already, they already just shot themselves in the foot, because what they're going to try and say is that Trump was not working for the freedom of the press, and he doesn't believe in the First Amendment or the First Amendment to the Constitution, right? That's what they're going to say. And then what they're not going to realize is that they're going to reveal their own sources. Like, I'm sure if this moves forward with any type of litigation in Discovery, they're going to find out who the leaks were. So this, is, this could be another great thing. Now, again, for the wrap-up smear campaign that they're going to try and put against Trump again, because they, I'm pretty sure that they're sure that he's going to be involved in the elections somehow moving. I and mean, he already is, basically. Look at all the endorsements that he's making. Look at everything that he's doing. It's pretty obvious that he, as a force, will be standing behind America First Patriots, 
or possibly running himself, right? So they're already going to start putting out all of this. This is them getting ahead of him running, right? Because Lord knows they didn't spend enough time and money, especially taxpayer money, trying to demonize this man from everyone else. So anyways, uh, this, this article from Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press continues. It follows letters from the Justice Department in May to reports that the Washington Compost and CNN stating that they were also targeted by non-notice records of demand. Uh, and then, of course, here, Bruce D. Brown, who's the executive director of this Reporters Committee of the Freedom of the Press, made the following statement. So this guy, Bruce D. Brown, apparently he's very important. Apparently, apparently this guy is supposed to be painted as some, you know, you know, big savior of the First Amendment. He says President Biden said recently that the seizure of reports, uh, reporters phone records is simply, simply wrong. And it is. For his Justice Department, this is a crucial early test of its stated commitment to freedom of the press and transparency. So they're pressing the Biden administration and Justice Department to go after them, clearly in the statement. Then it says, it is urgent that we hear from the attorneys general about all three Trump era record seizures, including the purported re reasoning behind them and the rationale for not notifying the journalists in advance. The goal must be to ensure that such abuses never occur again. And again, guys, here is the whole, um, here is the whole hypocrisy of it all. Like they had wiretaps on Trump. They were spying on Trump. They didn't have to do these no record seizures, right, against any of his stuff, even though they did, you know. So again, that's just, you know, that's just... <laughs> What else are they going to come up with, right? Like, they're already trying to spin all this stuff. I'm sure we'll hear about it from uh, Trump soon. Uh, and so then Just the News said, conversely, in juxtaposition to this article, um, that the Trump administration in 2017 seized the phone records of four New York Times reporters as part of an investigation into the publication of potentially classified information. So how is it that Just the News has this? Like they already told them why. This is the reason why they did it, because uh, the New York Times reporters were potentially going to publish classified information. And that's why it happened. The article goes on. The records were seized by the Justice Department and covered the period of January 14th through April 30th, 2017, um, which is what the Biden administration announced yesterday. The reporters were Matt Apuzo, Adam Goldman, Eric Lichtblow, and Michael S. Schmidt, who had all written extensively about then-FBI Director James Comey, according to the New York Times. The Justice Department did not say which article was being investigated, but the reporters and the time uh, and the time period suggested that the leak investigation related to classified information reported on April 22nd, 2017, an article about how Comey handled politically charged investigations during the 2016 presidential election. Seizing the phone records of journalists profoundly undermines press freedom. Times Executive Director Dean Bouquet said Wednesday, it threatens to silence the sources we depend on to provide the public with essential information about what the government is doing. So again, guys, like, how is it that this freedom of the press, like, uh, um, um, rag, can't even tell you all of these details, right? I don't think that uh, Just the News is, like, you know, reaching or, like, you know, calling on information that isn't true. It's quite clear that they know 
their story and what's going on. So again, that's why I have that Trump for the win video up there. <laughs> I mean, a photo up there because clearly it's going to be something that is going to be a non-story. They're just trying to put more bad press out there. Maybe they're just trying to, you know, beef up their sales and their numbers and stuff like that. I mean, that's the least that I could figure in that regard, because after all, <clears throat> it's it's only going to show uh, that their sources was probably the FBI or the CIA themselves. Um, and that's just going to get them into a whole lot more trouble. Another way that the left loves to jump the gun, project their sins and shoot themselves in the foot. That's what happens, right? Okay, guys, let's see here. What do we got next? Ah, uh, yes. So now we're going to be moving on to the um, audit, the votes, the election audit. So we'll start talking a little bit about that. So a lot of us already know what's going on there. It's pretty much in the know. You know, they had Pennsylvania Republicans down there on a delegation to scope out, you know, the work that they're doing there in Arizona in regards to this audit. So we'll do a couple of video updates so that you don't have to hear it from me. You can hear it from the horse's mouth. Uh, the first one's going to come again. So the Gateway Pundit has been all over this. Let me go ahead and take this off the screen real quick because most likely it's going to have a commercial. Um, but the Gateway Pundit's been all over. Ah, that's a loud commercial. Sorry, guys. Usually it's a silent one for the Gateway Pundit. It's not a loud one. I apologize if it wrecked your ears. Um, but anyways, as I was saying, uh, they have... Um, okay, good. Awesome. It's ready to roll. They have a, they had a delegation go down there. The Gateway Pundit has been on top of this um, this audit from the beginning. Like they've been probably the number one source for myself and others in regards to what's going on in Maricopa County. They've been doing ace work over there. So, anyways, uh, they did they did an interview of uh, Secretary of State Ken Bennett a couple of days ago, and uh, Conra Jordan Conradson, I think is his name. Forgive me, Jordan, if I'm, I'm getting your name wrong, but uh, he did a follow-up interview with Secretary of State Benson, uh, Bennett, I apologize. So let's go ahead and get that rolling for you all so you can hear what they had to say. <laughs> oh, the technicality of it all. All right, here we go. What, what's the total? Or I haven't got something to Well... I, the best way for me to estimate the total is to count that there's, we're now down to about 14 pallets that haven't been touched. When the county delivered the ballots on April 22nd, there were 46 pallets, but two of those had just test ballots and some other spoiled ballots and things like that. So pallets with ballots on them were about 44, and we're now down to 14. Mm -hmm. So I think we're quickly coming up on about two-thirds. That is awesome. It is. How many how many boxes are on each pallet? There's 200 well, pallets most, in each box? Or? No. Most, most pallets have 40 boxes on a pallet. Okay. Some had 32, uh, but most of them have 40 boxes. And it varies, but usually a box has between 12 and 1,300 pallets in each box. Uh, so a pallet usually has between 40 and 50,000 pallets or ballots on a pallet and you guys are getting through probably one a day would you say uh, at least at least okay so maybe one and a half pallets. yeah i think we're i think we're doing about one and a half pallets a day wow and so, there's only 14 left so right if we're doing one and a half a day you know, could, the counting could be done middle of june 10 days 10 counting days Whatever. would you say yeah wow um that is yeah, awesome. the uh the paper evaluation goes a little bit slower 
was a little more technical. Uh, and all of these uh, boxes in this corral over here have been counted that are waiting paper evaluation. And so a lot, a lot of work still yet to do on the paper evaluation, but they've increased the paper evaluation tables from what was originally eight to now there's 32. They're not all full yet, but I think earlier today I saw 22 of the 32 in operation. So the paper evaluation will catch up quickly also. All right. And paper evaluation, their forensic scan of all ballots. Yeah, you'll see them. They'll scan the back of the ballot and then they'll flip it over and scan the front of the ballot. Then they'll pass it to another person who puts it under the microscopic cameras that's looking at the alignment marks mm -hmm. and also looking at the oval uh, in the presidential race to make sure that the oval was filled in by a human handheld device, not by a Xerox machine or something like that. And you guys are saving yeah. every single every single ballot image? Yes. Assigning it a number and everything? No. What are you doing with the the ballot images, so you're going to say that is just extra evidence, or do you have a Well, they're, looking, they're looking at those ballot images, you know, to verify that there's folds in the ballots that should have folds in them. Mm -hmm. 1.9 million of the 2.1 million ballots were mailed to the voters and mailed back. Right. So, and you can usually, you can usually feel that they are folded, but the 5K images being taken by the cameras will also uh, show you where the folds are in the ballot. All right, guys. Apologize. I was temporarily distracted there. Okay. Uh, let me get this off and screened out. I don't know what those are. <laughs> Anyways, so that was a brief uh, update. So again, they're down to 14 ballots, uh, ballots, pallets. They've got pallets of ballots. Uh, they're down to 14 pallets there. Uh, I think they're going to, I really think they're going to be done sooner than the end of June, honestly. But I mean, I guess we'll wait and see. They've got three shifts. They've got like, what, 30 something tables there. They've got pretty much everyone over um, working on those tables. Uh, so that was going on there. And that was, uh, that was an interview again with uh, the former Secretary of State, Ken Bennett over there. Uh, sorry. Yeah, that's his name. And then um, he was talking about some updates in that regard. So then we had the Pennsylvania, uh, we had the Pennsylvania delegation that went in there. It was three, uh, three, uh, three representatives. Well, it was one representative and two senators, but they represent Pennsylvania. So that's kind of what I'm saying here. Uh, we had Chris Dush, the senator, uh, Senator Doug Mastriano, and also Representative Rob Kaufman, who went down there. Now, in regards to what was going on at the audit, Senator Chris Dush, Chris Dush said, I'm 100% for us having a, one of these audits, and I think our leadership is starting to lean that way. So, you know, that's why they're kind of taking their notes and taking them back. Uh, Dush also said that he was impressed by how the Arizona audit was being done, including how the firms hired uh, by the Arizona Senate are handling the chain of custody. Um, so that's, that's, that's very heartening to know. Mastriano also said on Wednesday that he called on his state to hold an audit. Um, commenting that it could focus on one county that leaned Republican and on another one that leaned Democrat. And again, of course, the whole point of this being not to overturn the vote, but to ensure that what was called or what was uh, um, what was documented in regard to this election actually did take place on that election day or election week, since again, it was like, like basically it was almost like a week before the whole damn thing was open. I mean, over. Um, okay. So, but now we have also, uh, there was an interview again that the gateway pundit did this time. It was with, 
uh, with um, with uh, Doug Mastriano here, Senator Doug Mastriano. And so they're talking about the election audits and what they think about what's going to happen there or how they're going to move forward with, um, haha, it is uh, Danielle from Four Patriots uh, talking about how they're going to handle that going forward. So let's go ahead and turn a little bit of our attention over to Senator Doug Mastriano, whom um, President Trump has asked to run for governor of the state of Pennsylvania, interestingly enough. Uh, so we'll see what he had to say about this whole um, audit. Yeah. Oh, the technicality of it all. I'm here at the Arizona Audit with Doug Mastriano out of Pennsylvania. How's it going? It is fantastic. What a great day. Right. What a great day. So can you give me a quick step by step of what you and other legislators from Pennsylvania did today? Yeah, so myself and Senator Chris Dush and Representative Rob Kaufman uh, met with our counterparts in the House and Senate today, which was fantastic. Went to the Capitol for a few hours. Uh, they gave us uh, the legislative perspective on this audit, why they why they're doing it, how they got here, and then after that we had a, I won't call it a behind the scenes tour because there's no behind the scenes here, but we got a tour of the audit, and uh, they went through the process and how they protect people's privacy, how they ensure chain of custody, and how this is a free and uh, transparent process. And I got to say I'm impressed. This is this is a model for any audit around the nation or the world. So yeah, what tell me more? What do you think about the process? You know, it, it's kind of ironic because, you know, we show up here and I, I get to read stuff, uh, you know, in the left leaning uh, media. Right. And there's all this outrage and pulling out of hair. I wouldn't relate to that, obviously. But and uh, I'm like, why? If, if in the United States of America in 2021, we should have free and fair elections where people go in and you know, there's one legal vote per person, period. There should be no question. Like, I don't know if my vote counted. And a lot of questions were raised not only in Arizona, but likewise, we have many un unanswered questions in Pennsylvania. And so my impression of this this right here is this is the way you do it. I mean, they're looking at the, the type of paper that was being used. They're looking at whether uh, circles are filled in by uh, machine, you know, copy or by hand. I mean, th this is this is a level of technology we should have. And uh, I think the takeaway for Pennsylvania and the rest of the nation here is that our elections need to be secure. And, uh, you know, it really bothers me when we international community with a lot of money and help from the United States with NATO and other countries. You know, we supervise the best, uh, elections in Bosnia after the Civil War, in Kosovo after, you know, their breakaway from Serbia, Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, the level of security and scrutiny, making sure IDs were present, that that person has one vote. We don't have that level, level of uh, discipline in Pennsylvania or apparently not in Arizona either. And it, that's a problem. It's so People should be able to walk into the ballot box again. My vote counted. My my voice was heard. And right now, you know, I I understand a lot of people might say like forty percent are questioning the results, and that that's a problem. If if we got nothing to hide, then let's do this. Open up the books. Let's do it. If you got something to hide there, then scream and outrage and pull your hair out and you know throw red herring arguments out of why this is a bad idea. I can't see any reason are you against doing a full audit if the people ask for it. So I I know you already said this, but I want to hear it again. Is this process secure? This process is very secure. Look at all the cameras down there. I mean, it's incredible. I didn't, I didn't count the cameras, but there's plentiful cameras. Uh, there's there's multiple eyes on, on everything, multiple personnel. Uh, I'm looking at how they're counting uh, the ballots here. And there's, there's three people at the table, and it spins around in the carousel, and each person you know, circles independently without communication, not allowed to talk to each other. you know. And then there's, there's, there's tallies are, are, are sent to someone else who fills out a sheet and see if it lines up. I mean, what's the problem with that? And then it, that ballot initially goes to scrutiny, you know, whether it was, you know, scanned or, 
print it or if somebody actually physically filled it in with a pen because you know apparently using the forensics here the way you can put a camera on you can see the bumps and ridges if, if a pen was uh, put to the paper mm -hmm. so do you plan to replicate this process in pennsylvania yeah, if, we, if we do an audit in pennsylvania and uh, it, we got a lot of issues in pennsylvania right we need to do an audit and um, this is the process to follow right here i mean right. this this is the model and i don't know why in 2021 that this is not more commonplace where people have issues see that they can have their answers and their election it was secure or not and if it okay so what's what's a so what and the left they talk about overturning and all these red herrings and all this other crap and it's not about overturning nothing it's about finding out who won who's got the most votes and that's it additionally though we uh in the military calls after action review so we conducted an election what went right what went wrong and what are we going to do to fix it and so every election in America and every state should be improved and better and more secure as we go down. Instead, we've seen a degradation in several battleground states, in, in states, including Pennsylvania, where the elections seem to be less secure. Uh, you know, we were told that voter ID in Pennsylvania is, is racist. It's ironic, you know, it's when Georgia brought it up here, you know, some of those airlines require IDs to get on their airplanes. So is that racist? I mean, the, the lack of logic and reason is just stupefying that people on, on the opposite side, they can't even see that they're contradicting their, their own approach to life. That's right. Um, so do you have a county in mind that you might do the audit in? Yeah, I, I have a couple of mine. Obviously, uh, in Pennsylvania, you can probably guess what, where we need to put the scrutiny. When you have, you know, election officials barring uh, poll watchers who are certified, you have a court order from a judge saying they should be allowed access, you know, into a facility and being denied that access here. That's terrifying to me. This is the kind of stuff that I read about in you know, Vladimir Putin's Russia. This is not supposed to happen in, in America, especially not Pennsylvania where the light of liberty was lit in 1776. So we should be the model of freedom and fair elections here in Pennsylvania. Instead, we become a mockery. And it's a darn shame. We should not tolerate that. We should take a hard look at our election process in Pennsylvania and make sure that it is safe and secure. All right. And my last question, what do you say to mainstream media and Democratic claims that this is a partisan audit, that it's, um, it's a fraud? I am just stupefied by the lack of intellectual curiosity being exercised by the media and the left. They should, they should be the first to do investigative uh, approach to uh, elections. In 1994, we had an election, uh, Stinson versus Marx. And the Philadelphia Inquirer and many other immediate outlets did an investigative journalism. They, they heard about fraud and cheating. The Democrat won it. It flipped the Senate to the Democrats. Uh, the media back then in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania stepped up, did their jobs, did a hard look, and they, they found numerous counts of fraud and cheating. And, and Marx was brought in as a senator. Thank you. All right. So that, I mean, yes, uh, I saw some of the comments there in chat. Absolutely. Who's that far uh, from far away? Hello again from far away. Um, uh, he does look happy. <laughs> He's like, dang, this is going to happen. Um, so that's that's encouraging, guys. It's very encouraging uh, to see that that happening. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, we do have other states in play now. Uh, so that's definitely good. Just Jules, thank you very much. And also um, Classical Chick, I appreciate you all very much for the gold pill donations. Uh, but as I was saying here, um, this is something Something that will be moving forward and we're going to have uh it looks like a delegation from georgia will also be moving in there led uh, will not led by uh vernon jones who's also going to be running for governor he's also stepped up and called for a forensic audit in the state of georgia so he will be part of that delegation from what i understand a lot of people are very excited about that so again we're going to talk about fauci and aliens to kind of like you know i think curve the attention on this now 
Much to the chagrin of the lamestream, mainstream legacy fake news media, we're still going to cover Fauci and we're still going to cover the election audits here at the Sea Report because guess what? We're no longer a one-hour program. <laughs> we're, we're, we're now like a, at least an hour and a half to two-hour outfit. So, uh, yep, there's more in store for you guys. Now, I am, I am going to – now, don't, don't, don't hang me up high for this, guys, but I am going to share with you because, like I mentioned at the, uh, at the head of this, um, that uh, Secretary of State Katie Schnobbs up there in Arizona, she's been the one who's – I mean, she's a George Soros fiend. You know, she's one of his guys. Uh, um, so – she's most definitely been pushing back and pushing back and pushing back as hard as she could on this. You know, she's, she's uh, right about to get neutered from being able to do anything with lawsuits having to do with the election um, over there, election audit over there in Arizona. But I thought I would, I thought I would play this just, you know, just so we can make fun of her (laughs) because she's going to be running for governor in Arizona as if though the people don't realize that she's done a terrible job of secretary of state. You know, she's running away from reporters. She's calling it a fraud it, you know, she's done a terrible. And so, but yet she has the gumption to think that she has a chance to win uh, the seat of governorhood, governorship over there in Arizona. I think it's silly. Let's look how silly she looks, guys. Let's th- let's take a look at how silly she looks. I'm, I'm not even going to expand it all the way, but let's because I want to say some things about this woman. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at this secretary, secretary, the secretary of state, Katie Schnobs over there in Arizona, who thinks she has what it takes to be the governor. Yeah. Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. You have been the target of attacks, even death threats. Her home address and son's phone number leaked online. Has stopped the steel activist road. I am willing to get. Why isn't she wearing a mask? I ask you already. It's rules for thee and not for me. Secretary of Snake. Snake. Secretary of Snake. Katie Schnobbs. Look at that. Look at that. She's like, they have to see my face. They have to see my face. I'm a liberal. Give my life for this fight. At least a dozen men, women, carrying weapons outside the home of Arizona. Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, thank you very much. Good to have you with us. Oh, they didn't use the one where she's crying, I guess. We had a job to do, and that job was simple. Run away from reporters when they confront us, asking us about the election audit. Count every vote. When you're under attack, some would have you believe you have two choices to fight or give in. Oh, she's already taking the victim stance, I see. But there's a third option. Get the job done. I'm here to solve problems. When I grew up, there were times we struggled, even had to be on food stamps for a while. I knew early on I wanted to work to help him. You see how she's trying to appeal to the poor people in Arizona? I was on food stamps too. Prove the lives of others, protecting survivors of domestic abuse, Ending the backlog of untested rape kits. Democrat Katie Hobbs took it. Look at that's when she had her uh, Sonic the Hedgehog lesbian hair. <laughs> Expanding Medicaid and caring for our seniors. Sweeping changes to Medicaid. Tackling the opioid epidemic. I can't stand that little squeaky voice that they do. I don't know about you guys, but like, I know a lot of liberal people who talk like that. Like head on. The Arizona. Men and women. Opioid epidemic act. A perfect example of what we can achieve when those in power choose to collaborate over our division. Before I was Secretary of State, the office was wasteful and mismanaged. Failed in its duties. So we got to work. 
wasteful and mismanaged, as if though she's not wasting a lot of money on litigation to try and end this audit and mismanage because she don't give a damn about the people's vote in Arizona. And then she says, we had a job to count every vote. Well, yeah, you counted it. You didn't run it up against the numbers in the machines. And then you also had all these fake ballots that you want to get away with. I mean, come on. Come on, Katie. Streamlined operations and made it more efficient and accountable to you. These elections are safe and secure. Every ballot is going to be counted. It's about including the fake ones. Fairness. That is what I've advocated for my whole career. But that's not always happening. There's real harm going on for many. Land doctors in prison. And the other side isn't offering policies to make our lives better. They're offering conspiracies that only make our lives worse. Do you hear that? It's like whose lives are she talking about is she talking about right there when she says they're only offering conspiracies that make our lives worse she's talking about herself and her buddies that's who she's talking about what is your reaction to this on oh my god results of, of the election then this is next level dangerous we did our job they refused to do theirs and there's a lot more work to be done that's why i'm running for governor to rebuild our economy after covid stronger than before to make life-saving investments in healthcare, to invest in our schools. Okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done torturing you guys. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I know I do that to y'all every now and then. I put the enemy on the screen. <laughs> I know it's torture. Okay, I'm done. I promise. Uh, we will have Fauci coming up in a minute, though. So just hold on to yourselves. Brace yourselves. Brace yourself. Fe Fauci's coming. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Georgia real quick. Let me get this nice little graphic here. Okay, so Georgia. Uh, we already mentioned that they're gonna they're gonna uh, move forward with having a delegation going over to Georgia, uh, going over to Arizona from Georgia. We don't know who yet's gonna be part of it. Okay, so here's another one. Here's uh, here's another one. Remember at, at the head of the show is talking about uh, the uh, the the media that touts themselves that, that, that like really just keep on pushing this narrative about, you know, uh, President Trump having uh, just lying about this uh, fraud. And I mean, all of us saw the evidence and because of technicalities of them getting thrown out by uh, the judges, because we have a corrupt judiciary, right? I mean, we're really in a big world of trouble and pain if we have a corrupt judiciary. And that's what we found out through that this entire process is that the judiciary swamp needs to be cleaned out as well, right? Okay, so, and, and they will through fraud and, and through all of their, they're all just signing their own, you know, uh, search and seizure warrants that for themselves. But so the Washington Examiner, who touts themselves as a conservative publication, right? Uh, I think it's more of an anti-Trump concern because just what they said now, the Washington Examiner, they got a hold of a letter that was sent over to Governor Kemp in Georgia. And in this letter, it was signed by over 500 Georgia Republicans. Uh, now, these people were uh, uh, everything from activists to precinct leaders to delegates to the, um, to the Georgia GOP convention, um, all of them uh, signed this letter. It was like 531 or something like that, uh, urging uh, Governor Kemp to perform a forensic audit of the 2020 election there in the state of Georgia. And then, of course, if you guys were with us yesterday, we all watched, uh, we all watched, um, you know, that OG gangsta. And actually, she's not OG. She's quite new to the game. But uh, Dr. Candace Taylor hand Brian Kemp in person 
uh, the letter of summons, she served him uh, in regards to getting this audit done, forensically speaking, for the people of Georgia. So that was pretty gangsta, right? So we know that things are moving forward in Georgia. They have a delegation going over to Arizona. They have a governor, uh, someone who's running for governor, handing Brian Kemp a serving, a serving him. And then we have another uh, another. Uh, this is going to be this is going to be pretty tight in Georgia, if you ask me. It's going to be a tight race now. I think between uh, Vernon Jones and Dr. Candace Taylor, one of you guys is going to have to figure out who's going to bow out because uh, we can't be splitting the vote there. We need a single solid, you know, America First candidate running in Georgia for governor. So this way, the vote does not get split. Please, guys, don't go head to head with each other. One of y'all will, I don't know who it is because I don't live in Georgia. It's not, I don't have a dog in the race there, so to speak. But uh, one of you guys, please don't split the vote. Like that is just not a good, and pre, even President Trump had talked about that as well. Don't split the vote. Y'all need one good, solid candidate. So, so hopefully they'll figure out who that is before 2022, you know, before long and get that done. But anyways, Okay, so according to the Washington Examiner, they got this letter from over 500 Georgia Republicans who are urging uh, Brian Kemp uh, to go ahead and go through or pursue this forensic audit. Of course, we know Brian Kemp is a rhino. He's up there with Raffensperger. All they did was ride the tailcoats of President Trump until they got into office and then they turned their back on him and stabbed him in the heart, right? Okay, so um, according to them, the letter obtained, uh, it was obtained by the Washington Post and the Washington Examiner didn't share the letter. So, you know, we don't, I could, I, I dug as much as I could to try and find this letter, visited like two dozen websites. No one had a copy of it, searched for it. I guess it's probably if I'd gone to the, I don't know, the state website, I might've been able to find it, but then that got to dig even deeper there, right? I only have a few hours to get this thing together. Um, Okay, so basically the letter said, we believe that anyone who has a problem with a statewide forensic audit in Georgia has something to hide. Our goals are simple. We want to discover the underlying problems that occurred last year and ensure that we never make those same mistakes again. Uh, the letter also went on to say, um, let's see here, uh, that many in Georgia did not have the right to know that their vote counted because elected officials in both parties mishandled the 2020 presidential election. And as a result, the integrity of that election is in question. It also raised questions about the chain of custody of absentee ballots. Of course, we know that that is something if uh, we talked about it in a, a previous um, episode, uh, the Georgia Star over there was reporting about how even even up to this point, again, they 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 can go ahead and take their time sending over uh, discovery or sending over any requested information. The left, the liberals, all those guys, they can take their time, right? But if you know people who want you know uh, America's audit to go underway, oh, they will hold on. They will hold them to the fire right away, and they will be like, "No, you have to give us this information because we want to know your game plan, right?" But they could take their time, right? So they still haven't gotten chain of custody on everything in Arizona. Now I know. According to the Georgia Star, they uh, they went after each county right to get this information, and like only like thirty to forty percent of those counties reported. And even then, there was there was like some information that wasn't all accurate or complete on the behalf of the counties in regards to chain of custody. But ultimately, especially in regards to these these uh, absentee ballots, because I mean, come on, even President Trump talked about it, about how they threw out the envelopes for the absentee ballots. And so there is no way to confirm, there's no way to match signatures, but they just want to recount the same ballots 
the same ballots who are supposedly secured that got busted into during the weekend and left the door wide open. Okay, so that's those are the ballots that we're talking about, guys. They have no chain of custody still, and they also don't have the envelopes to match the ballot signatures. Like, the, they should be rendered null and void immediately. Like, immediately. Anyways, okay, so the letter they talked about the chain of custody. Uh, they, also, um, they also mentioned the GOP-led Arizona Senate forensic audit that's going on in Maricopa County. They also mentioned, uh, let's see, they specifically cited a letter in regards to the May 12th um, uh, Arizona Senate President Karen Fan uh, to the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Ch Chairman Jack Sellers, in which she noted the uh, audit team has encountered a significant number of instances in which there is a disparity between the actual number of ballots continued in a batch and the total on the pink report slips accompanying the batch. So the, the Washington Examiner, they kind of did an abbreviated, they didn't put the letter out there. They didn't let you see everything that was in there. They kind of, to me, they cherry picked the information they were going to share. And again, like I was saying, this Washington Examiner who touts themselves as being a conservative journal, right, for conservatives, then they have, they have paragraphs like this in there. And I quote, President Donald Trump lost Georgia and its 16 electoral votes in his defeat to President Joe Biden. Multiple tallies of the votes and an audit of absentee ballot signatures found no widespread fraud and affirmed the results. Republican election officials have repeatedly confirmed the results, though Trump and many in his orbit insist on casting doubt on the legitimacy of Biden's victory. So I don't know, guys. Uh, you know, I even read an article in Newsmax that had the same kind of verbiage where they were not disputing uh, the, the the lack of legit legitimacy in regards to uh, who won, you know, because there's still a bunch of questions. They failed to realize that probably half of America saw those hearings uh, post-election, right? Uh, and, and everyone saw all of the evidence in Georgia, in Arizona, in Michigan laid out all the affidavits that were signed, all of the witnesses that came forward, and who, all the ones who had the guts, who had the courage to stand up and to say something in in face of the fact that people would probably hound them and hunt them and just give them trials and tribulations in the aftermath of those hearings right and we can't let those people have done that in vain and i think again all of these audits moving forward right now is exactly that it's the american people standing together organizing this revolutionary movement um um to bar to borrow uh, the uh the verbiage of of someone that I admire, but like, that's basically that, you know what I mean? Like that is basically that. So anyways, let's go ahead. And, uh, what are we gonna do here now? Oh no, no videos. Okay. So that pretty much wraps it up for the election audits. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I have to report today on that front. Uh, we have Georgia moving forward. They have a delegation going in. We have, uh, we have letters being sent and served to you know the top uh, uh miscreants there over in georgia um and we'll see how that moves forward we'll see what happens there guys i'll keep you guys abreast on that information as much as i'm able to in future episodes now let's go ahead and talk about what everyone's talking about so you see i i'm gonna put these election audits at the front because they want us to be 
distracted with Fauci here because he's getting his comeuppance. So, of course, everyone in the Patriot independent media is going to talk about this because it's long overdue. We all saw it coming. We all knew it was bound to happen, much to the chagrin of many of the liberals and the left out there. Uh, um, if my friends, you know, and family included were, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell them, look, guys, like, this is the one. This is the one. I am not the one. This is the one. And, you know, uh, yes, lies and liars is exactly what they are. And we'll see how this moves forward, because, again, there are reports out there that they want to move on a false flag uh, in the light of people like me and you talking about how this guy has, uh, you know, committed crimes against humanity and um, has basically uh, has basically um struck the world with with an unnecessary uh, tribulation that we've all been experiencing for more than a year now. Now, what we're going to talk about, because we are going to talk about some of his Fauci emails, uh, we're going to talk about some of those emails. Now, like I said, it's over 3,000 pages of emails. I've only gotten up to like page 17. <laughs> I think I only found one email that I was like, ooh, this could be juicy, right? But um, I mean, it, it wasn't enough. Um, the email, I think it was page seven, page seven of the documents, like someone tells them, uh, tells Dr. Fauci, I should have brought it, I should have pulled it up. I, I'm sorry I didn't, but someone told Dr. Fauci that they um, they admired him in the face of this coronavirus attack. Like they used the phrase coronavirus attack. And I was like, well, why would they call it a coronavirus attack? Do I mean, because viruses don't attack, obviously. Like, so I was like, maybe that person knows something that we don't know. But that was page seven. So if you have, if you have the, uh, if you have the downloaded emails, you're more than welcome to go fish that one out. It's, it was just like a one liner, you know, it wasn't anything like, a, if it was like a general or something like that, that said that I'd be like, ooh, we need to be all over this. They use the word coronavirus attack, but. I mean, come on, you know, like a attack, really? Like, I, I, I think I might not be reading too much into it, but at the same time, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Okay, so let's. Uh, what I really would like to focus on on the back of some of these emails is the hydroxychloroquine. The hydroxychloroquine. We had President Trump talking about it because he said it worked. Um, of course, we all know the history of hydroxychloroquine treated to treated to uh, to prevent and, and assist things like malaria in third world countries and stuff like that. Um, it had been on the market, I think, at that point for like 60 to 70 years. You know, it'd been approved by the FDA as being safe. You know, I was talking up hydroxychloroquine myself whenever this was a thing, you know, like before, like uh, they really damned it hard in the media. And I was telling people, you know, hydroxychloroquine, I was like, if you get it, I was telling all of my friends, I was telling anyone I knew, if you if you come down with it, or if you know someone who contracts COVID-19, you need to tell them to ask their doctors for hydroxychloroquine. Of course, they were saying things like they would say in the media, oh, but it can kill you. Oh, but it can give you heart problems, etc. Which, of course, I would respond, yes, if you take it in like certain doses, yes, it will. But as long as you adhere 
to like the minimum dosage or whatever it is that you need to do in order to get through this, at least you have a fighting chance with hydroxychloroquine. And then, of course, during that time, people were also saying about how, oh, but it's not FDA approved and oh, my doctor won't prescribe it. And I said, well, you need to at least ask for it. So this way you have on record that your doctor refused or denied helping you when you were in the situation. And that since coronavirus was so deadly, at least you have the right to try, right? Because at that point, uh, Trump was still um, president in the office and uh, Biden had not been illegitimately brought in. So this way they could still do the right to try, right? Like they still had that right to try, especially since if it's for something that's terminal or something that will kill you, you most absolutely do have the right to try. But okay, so, and I can tell you guys, I had a friend um, who, you know, we were we were not uh, close associates or friends by then. It's an old friend. Um who his mother and his aunt both got COVID-19. And I told him, and I guess we are Americans, we can't be told, we have to see, right? I told him, ask for hydroxychloroquine. Ask for hydroxychloroquine. It's the least you can do to give your family a fighting chance, you know, because they're way liberal, way liberal, way Democrat, way all that, right? Way left-leaning. Um, and I don't know that he did or did not actually make that recommendation, but he lost his mom and his aunt. And that upset me so deeply because I, I couldn't ask him, did you tell your did you tell your family about it? I mean, at that point, it would have been inappropriate for me to ask him that question. I mean, he's dealing with the loss now, but I feel like he didn't because this is, again, someone who's anti-Trump someone who doesn't, who listens to the mainstream media, who listens to the legacy media, the fake news, uh, the ones who are trying to demonize this for whatever reason it is. And we'll go ahead, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I mean, it, it literally, it literally brought me to tears because he had a chance to save his own damn family. And because he hated Trump so much and he hated the idea of whatever, whatever it was that was going through his mind at the time, he did not even give his family the chance to survive, you know, didn't because of he was so brainwashed because he would he was also one of those people that talked about how hydroxychloroquine can kill you, you know. And so it's very upsetting to me, you know, that this happened. And I was on a rampage whenever people started talking about and just repeating what they were hearing on the mainstream news, the legacy news media. I was on a rampage. I was like, no, guys, like you're you have to give them this chance. Like this drug has been on the market for 60 plus years. It's it's proven its efficacy in so many other situations. And yet you're not even going to give yourselves a fighting chance because of of and, and all of these things were based on studies like the Lancet report. Right. That was debunked summarily. Like it was summarily refuted, like what, within 10 days of it coming out, people found out that it was a fake report. And that's the same report that the WHO followed and told people you cannot use hydroxychloroquine on the world stage. You know, countries like Switzerland and the United Kingdom followed what they said, and it quadrupled the numbers of deaths and sicknesses that were happening in their countries because those during those 10 or 11 days that uh, the World Health Organization followed this Lancet report that was found out to be a farce, it affected people 
that many lives in their countries and, and also in America, of course, because we know also that the FDA decided to say that you cannot use uh, hydroxychloroquine as um, an emergency uh, um, medicine for this. You know, anyways, if I seem kind of impassioned about it, guys, it's because I was talking up hydroxychloroquine as much as I could. I was getting as much flack as they could give me over it. And here we now have over a year later, when we see these Fauci emails coming out, how many people died that did not have to die? How many people lost their lives? How many family members were affected by this when they could have been taking this very inexpensive drug or medicine, whatever you want to call it, to give themselves a fighting chance? But no, it's because of the media. And that's why my main thing here is Fauci is not the only one to be held accountable for what happened. It is also the legacy media, the mainstream media. They need to be held accountable too. And I have names right now, people. I have some names. It's very upsetting to me. I was very upset by this uh, because it's because of their brainwashing and because of their lies that a lot of people died. Okay. And that's why I am so upset by this. Okay. So... All right, let me let me cool off for just a sec, guys. Let me let's pull up another picture of Fauci. Oh yeah, how many millions of people had to die needlessly, Fauci and the mainstream media, MSNBC, CNN, the Washington Compost, the New York Times. All of you guys are just as guilty as the man on the screen that we're looking at right now because they did not have to die. We had the medication. Well, probably we had so much of it that we could have used. So many of it. Anyways, okay, so let me, oh, let me, God, let me go ahead and move forward here. Okay, so there was an email uh, between um, uh, that, I don't think I have the email up here on the screen. Let me pull it up in my notes real quick so I can show it to you guys. Um, but there's an email that someone, so I guess doctors or something had given to uh, Pedo Pence, you know, Vice President Pence over there. Uh, and yeah, here it is. I got it right here. Let me pull it up for you all. Um, and they talked about uh, how hydroxychloroquine was actually uh, helpful, right? So even though this email did not directly have to deal with Dr. Fauci, he was in the loop. So he was also receiving this information. Uh, so here we go. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see it. Let me expand it here a little bit for you. All right. I just it really upsets me, guys, because we had we we had a fighting chance and they denied us all of that. So, OK, it says here, uh, dear Vice President Pete Pence, we are thankful for your leadership of the White House Coronavirus Task Force in gathering the latest information about the outbreak, working with doctors and scientists to find solutions and communicating with the general public regarding the situation. We were blessed to meet you with you back in August 2019 uh, when so-and-so ex had expressed a desire to meet you. Okay, so the down here, it says, <clears throat> uh, I'll expand this a little bit more for you all. Okay, it says, uh, since we are both physicians, we have been following the details of the COVID-19 outbreak closely. My husband was researching the antiviral drug Remdesivir this morning, and he came across some articles from Chinese studies that indicated a very well-known drug called hydroxychloroquine, already widely used for 70 years to treat malaria and rheumatological diseases, had very potent, uh, very potent activity against COVID-19 infection and pneumonia. This was rather surprising to us, but as we read about the study and the characteristics of hydroxychloroquine, we realize that this could be a very good drug to use for the treatment of high-risk patients infected with COVID-19 
who might deteriorate treatment of, uh, oh, rapidly and progress to hospitalization and need for ICU care. Uh, Remdesivir also seems like an excellent antiviral drug, but is given intravenously and is probably reserved for COVID-19 patients who are already entering into severe respiratory distress in the hospital. Hydroxychloroquine, on the other hand, is given orally and is cheap and readily available. Low doses, 6.5 milligrams, uh, have been effective in the management of systemic lupus uh, urethromatosis and rheumatoid arthritis. 200 milligram tablets are usually prescribed twice a day with meals. Dosage can be increased up to the recommended 6.5 milligrams if the patient tolerates the lower dose. We wondered if the low-dose hydroxychloroquine would be able to be studied quickly in various COVID-19 patients, especially those who are older and or with medical conditions that put them at higher risk for pneumonia and complications, cardiovascular disease, chronic pulmonary disease, hypertension, diabetes, etc. In addition, hydroxychloroquine may even be a useful drug to prevent the development of pneumonia in patients diagnosed with COVID-19. Because hydroxychloroquine is an older, in an older drug that is generic, current pharmaceutical companies have no incentive to do studies or research on its effectiveness for any new medical conditions. Therefore, the federal government would most likely have to construct and fund these studies. Perhaps Dr. Fauci has already considered this kind of study with hydroxychloroquine. We understand that vaccines are already being studied and Israel is working on an oral pill vaccine. Uh, Vaccines that take time to go through testing and trials, which is why we are suggesting to you that studies be done on hydroxychloroquine, a readily available oral drug that could bridge the gap to provide some potential treatment and mitigation of the COVID-19 infections while vaccines are being developed and mass produced. We have attached several articles, which are electronic publications made available in advance, February 4th and February 19th, 2020, of the printed journal publications. We will send a copy of this email to Dr. Fauci, Dr. Redfield, and Dr. Azar. Okay, so that's uh, that's the email there that Dr. Fauci was looped into. Um, and uh, he was also CC'd on this. So, and again, this is not the only... Uh, I'm sure not the only email to this effect. And also, um, I mean, there were already several studies on hydroxychloroquine. Let me see if I can get a date on this. Uh, This was February 29, 2020. Okay, so as of April 2020, as we'll see in an article coming up, there was already, uh, there was already like, by April 2020, there was already over 50 studies into hydroxychloroquine and its efficacy, how it actually helps. They were peer-reviewed studies. They were not like the Lancet report, which was a non-peer-reviewed piece of garbage, right? And 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 that piece of garbage was used. Uh, this is like a wrap-up smear again, like the way they do the wrap-up smears against you know uh, people uh, to get the get the word out there that it's bad. It's kind of like the same thing with the Lancet report. They put the report out there so this way they could run wild with it for ten days, you know. And while they're doing that, all of the uh, the head uh, agencies are making judgment calls on it and deciding that oh yeah, we're definitely going to go ahead and listen to the Lancet report because this is what it has to say. But then of course. They also use the mainstream legacy fake news media to spin these stories out of control too, you know, to, to, to push on the fear and then also to make sure that that other people, especially, you know, and, you know, 
we don't always have to attack party lines, but it is a fact that it is this party, the Democrat Party, the, and those who adhere to them that follow this information. Because, you know, I know we know, guys, especially if you're over in the Foxhole app, you know, we know that uh, it, it's not always about the party itself. <clears throat> but again, as patterns show, as history show, they are the ones that attack. And I'm, I'm saying this to the benefit of people who are watching on other channels like on Trovo or on Twitch, because they may not understand why I'm coming off this harsh. Um, but it is, it is in fact, like we'll see here, the Washington Compost was the, one of the main purveyors in print, aside from the New York Times, that was spelling out all of this information um, that was false and that was affecting the lives of people, which is why they need to be held accountable as well. So, okay, so um, that wasn't one of the only ones. He also received uh, Dr. Fauci, all, and I don't have the email, this one on hand for you, because it's only like a line or two, uh, where Dr. Fauci had received an email where they talked again about a Chinese study that showed the benefits of hydroxychloroquine, but his response to that was, well, there's no data in this study. I'd like to see the data. And so basically he dismissed it outright. Okay. Um, it was an article that someone had shared with him. So now we're talking about how um, the mainstream media needs to be held. Yeah, you're going to have a big headache, sir, by the end of this. You're going to have a big old headache. Okay. So now we're going to talk about how hydroxychloroquine um, was basically like uh, uh, pooped on and like uh, dismissed and uh, basically uh, made, they demonized hydroxychloroquine. Um, and so this was the mainstream legacy news media. Um, on Friday, July 31st, the Washington Compost published a column that ostensibly dealt with healthcare misinformation. Okay. So the writer of this was someone named Margaret Sullivan. Margaret Sullivan wrote this column lambasting fringe doctors spouting dangerous falsehoods about hydroxychloroquine as a COVID-19 wonder cure. So Margaret Sullivan, I hope your name is on a class action lawsuit, or I hope you join Dr. Fauci on a Nuremberg style type of trial because this woman was lying to us. Okay. On May 15th, the Washington Compost offered a stark warning to any American who may have taken hope in the possible therapy for COVID-19 in hydroxychloroquine. This is what they said. They said, drugs promoted by Trump as coronavirus game changers increasingly linked to deaths. That's what their headline said. Uh, and then we had three Washington Compost staff writers join in the story and assert that the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine in treating COVID-19 is scant and the, that the drug is inherently unsafe. Now, this is what these people were saying in spite of the fact that hydroxychloroquine had been on the market for 60 to 70 years. And they knew that it was helpful towards people. But you know what? We don't get malaria here in the United States. Uh, I mean, it was also treated for lupus, but we don't get malaria here. So again, they're depending on all of the Americans to A, be brainwashed by these uh, talking heads and these bad actors that they have trusted for so many years, and B, just be ignorant to all of the things that are really helpful out there. And it worked. You know, my friend's family, two members died because he listened to them you know, could not even try something to give their family a fighting chance. Hence the massive brainwashing. Insane. Okay. So then also in an April 21st, 2020 article, 
Um, they did a drug study on U.S. veterans that were um, hospitalized due to COVID-19. So this is what they said. This is what they said, okay? They said that they found that the death rate in uh, patients uh, was high if they were taking hydroxychloroquine. This is what they published uh, April 21st, 2020. They did a drug study on U.S. veterans affairs patients who were hospitalized with COVID-19. They said that if they were taking hydroxychloroquine, the death rate was high. But here's what they did not say. They did not tell you that if you were already like well into having COVID-19 and you were like they, they, they did the sickest patients who already who are already dying from pre-existing conditions. They pumped them up with hydroxychloroquine. And that's how they spun the story. So they didn't tell you that if you're like experiencing symptoms or if you want to take hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic or if you if you're very if you're uh, very early on in this illness, that you have a great chance of surviving using hydroxychloroquine as a therapeutic or as a medication. They didn't tell you that. Instead, they, they pumped up a whole bunch of dying veterans full of this stuff. And they said, oh, look, you're going to die if you have it. And this kind of reminds me of the of the nursing home death scandals and, and COVID-19. Like they were doing everything that they could to affect the death rates as much as possible. This study was quickly debunked, however, because it was posted by a non-peer reviewed medical archive that specifically warned that studies posted on their website should not be reported in the media. So whatever study... <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Okay, so, all right. So, repeatedly, they claimed that hydroxychloroquine was ineffective and caused serious cardiac problems. Okay, this is, again, something that they re would report. Of course, they didn't tell you that if you have COVID-19, you're already going to have heart problems while you're infected. Because what have we found out about COVID-19? That it is a vascular infection. We all thought it was respiratory. But it's actually a and it attacks your vascular system, not just your respiratory system. So you will have irregular heart problems. You will have fatal heart rhythms. You will have heart infections while you're infected with COVID-19. But no, they told you that it was hydroxychloroquine. They didn't tell you that it was COVID-19 that was causing this. Now, the Washington Post also cited a study from Brazil published on April 24th, in which a COVID trial using chloroquine, not hydroxychloroquine, but chloroquine, which is a related but different drug to hydroxychloroquine, was stopped because 11 patients treated with it died. The reporters never mentioned another problem with the study, which was that the Brazilian doctors were giving their patients lethal cumulative doses of chloroquine. So chloroquine could have been used in safe doses, right? I think that's the same thing with that other one, that, that one that they were saying was bleach. Like in safe doses, you can take it. I, I don't think I would take that one anyways, but I would rather take hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin myself if I were to ever con uh, contract or, con yeah, this disease or whatever. But anyways, I'm pretty sure I've had COVID like five times already, guys. Because what else have we learned? That if you contract COVID, your body has a natural immunity. Up to 11 months, they found T cells that were antibodies in the bone marrow, which means basically you're immune for life. Okay, we covered that yesterday. Okay, anyways. So Neil Cavuto on the Fox News channel said, 
hydroxychloroquine will kill you. He said it will kill you. He said the president of the United States just acknowledged that he is taking hydroxychloroquine, a drug that was meant really to treat malaria and lupus. This will kill you. All right. So we have Fox News in the game as well now, right? Okay. Let's get back to the Washington Compost. Uh, Washington Compost reporter Ariana Cha and Laurie McGinley. Okay, so we have three names now, right? We have uh, Ariana Chaw, Laura McGinley, and this uh, Margaret Sullivan character. Okay, so right. Yeah, add their names to the lawsuit because they need to be held accountable. On May 22nd, they said anti-malarial drug touted by President Trump is linked to increase of death in coronavirus patient, study says. Okay, the study they were citing was none other than the Lancet report. And the Lancet report was... Uh, what within uh, 11 days or 10 days or so without a week and a half was proven to be fraudulent. And so they had, they had to retract that statement, but again, they already have it out there in the media. So people who read headlines or people who don't go back and read the retractions are telling all of their friends and all of their family, you can't take this because uh, it kills people. That's what the Lancet report says. And then never mind that they had to retract the study. Patients were afraid of taking their drugs because the taking the drug hydroxychloroquine because of this. Yeah, they were afraid. We're not going to take hydroxychloroquine. You can die. Doctors were afraid to prescribe it. So yeah, doctors aren't going to prescribe something that they think is going to kill their patients. Pharmacies were refusing to fill prescriptions for it because they were afraid people were going to die from taking hydroxychloroquine. And the FDA revoked its emergency use authorization for this drug. And I remember when this was going on as well, because I remember when all of a sudden the FDA said, okay, it's okay to take hydroxychloroquine again. And that's because they found out that that report was a fraud. Okay. So you see the mainstream media, the legacy media, whatever you want to call them, they very much are also to be held accountable, not just this man on the screen, but they need to be held accountable for this as also. Okay. So let me see here. Um, okay. And then again, like I said, um, the HWO, the World Hell Organization, also put a temporary um, hold and withdrew its support of hydroxychloroquine because of the publication of the Lancet report, and that affected many people around the world. Now, here's something else. The NIH comes into this as well, the National Institutes of Health. They promoted a different strategy for people who were sick with COVID-19. The Fauci strategy is what it was called, and that was to keep people who were with early infections of this um, COVID-19. Now, again, if you have an early infection of COVID-19 and you take a medication like hydroxychloroquine, you have a great chance of survival. But what did the Fauci strategy said? The Fauci strategy said, if you have symptoms of COVID or if you have early stage COVID-19, you need to be quarantined for two weeks. So you have no chance of actually taking medications or healing yourself or even going to the doctor. You need to be quarantined. That's what the Fauci strategy was. So you couple that with uh, the halt on emergency use for hydroxychloroquine and you have a deadly combination. That smells to me like what was going on with the nursing, uh, nursing home COVID death scandals. They knowingly told people to stay home who could have been helped with the early stages of, hydro of, of COVID-19. 
just like they knowingly put people who are either recovering or were infected with COVID-19 into nursing homes and into rehabilitation centers. To me, that's the same thing. Knowingly, when they knew that they needed to be treated early, they told them to stay home, don't go to the doctor because then you're going to infect other people. We know people who are told don't come to the doctor if you have COVID-19 symptoms, because then you're risking getting everyone else sick, right? All of this, guys, all of this is going to, it's it's coming up, right? It's coming up, right? Okay. Now let's see also here. The Food and Drug Administration cluelessly agreed to this doctrine, the Fauci doctrine, right? And it started its hydroxychloroquine emergency use authorization, and it stated that hospitalized patients were likely to have a greater prospect of benefit compared to ambulatory patients with a mild illness. It was better for them to stay home. In reality, it was exactly the opposite. That was a tragic mistake. And I think maybe as they parse through more of these Fauci emails, they might find it to be a different situation. Um, that it was not a mistake, maybe, but that's supposedly the mistake that Fauci and the FDA commissioner, Dr. Stephen Hahn, who should also probably, we should add his name to the lawsuit, um, that it was not a mistake and thousands of America of Americans' um, lives were lost. And of course, people around the world as well. So um, Real Clear Politics has, a, um, has an article um, where it talked about the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine it says here, on April 6, 2020, an international team of medical experts published an extensive study of hydroxychloroquine in more than 130,000 patients with connective tissue disorders. They reaffirmed that hydroxychloroquine was a safe drug with no serious side effects. The drug could safely be given to pregnant women and breastfeeding mothers. Consequently, countries such as China, Turkey, South Korea, India, Morocco, Algeria, and others began to use hydroxychloroquine widely and early in their national pandemic response. Doctors overseas were safely prescribing the drug based on clinical signs and symptoms because widespread testing was not available. At this time, accumulating data showed remarkable results if hydroxychloroquine were given to patients early during a seven-day window from the time of our of first symptom onset. If given hydroxychloroquine during this window, most infections did not progress into the severe lethal second stage of the disease. Patients still got sick, but they avoided hospitalization or the later transfer to an intensive care unit. Exactly the opposite of what Dr. Fauci and the FDA recommended. In mid-April, a high-level memo was sent to the FDA alerting to them the fact that the best use of hydroxychloroquine was for its early use in its ambulatory in, in still ambulatory COVID patients. These patients were quarantined at home but were not short of breath and did not require supplemental oxygen and hospitalization. So again, guys, I mean, what else can be said about this? And, and during what was this during this April period, that's when the Washington Compost and the New York Times and CNN and NBC and apparently even Fox. And, you know, we all know Fox is, is a, a controlled opposition as well. They're not amongst the good guys. Even they were pushing this during April that hydroxychloroquine was bad when we had doctors and we already showed you guys the, the um, we showed you guys the website also uh, 
cv19hcq.com has thousands of articles peer-reviewed that show how efficient and um, um, how, well, like efficient, how well it works, um, hydroxychloroquine, as well as drugs like ivermectin to stop this. So this is going to come down hard on them. Are they trying to distract us from the election audits that are going on? Probably. But this is also something that needs to occur. So that's just the way it's going to be. Don't look so mad, Dr. Fauci. It was going to, he's mad because they're selling him out. He's mad because they're using him as the fall guy. But he should have known that this is what happens to people that get involved with people like globalists in the deep states. They will use you to their advantage and then they will drop you like a sack of potatoes. And this is what he's experiencing. Okay, let's go ahead and look at this. Now, this is the, the Levin uh, thing that I was talking about. This is um, a doctor, a Dr. Harvey Reich, um, talking about Dr. Fauci and the FDA and their decisions to do the things that they did. So let's go ahead and give them a quick listen. I don't know that there's going to be a commercial, but let's find out. Let's focus in on the FDA. Cool. The FDA is a huge bureaucracy. It's almost a dinosaur. Things are slowed down. They're chewed up. Uh, the president has made efforts to speed up certain types of life-saving drugs for people who are in the uh, who are an extremist. I feel like that's what's happening to this drug. It's being chewed up by the FDA. So the FDA is a very strange organization that has a history of not making science-based, rational-based decisions about its approvals. It, this was started in, most noticeably in 1987 when people with AIDS in New York City were dying of what is called pneumocystis pneumonia, PCP. And the clinical experience in then had been amassed of a large number of cases who were prevented from dying by use of the antibiotic Bactrim. This is even then was a generic medication and cheap. And activists obtained a, um, a meeting with Dr. Fauci and 15 of his selected scientists at FDA, at NIH, and asked Dr. Fauci just to make guidelines to physicians that they consider using Bactrim to treat preventively AIDS people so that they wouldn't die of this pneumonia. Dr. Fauci refused. He said, I want randomized controlled, blinded controlled trial evidence. That's my gold standard, that or nothing. The, the activists left. The NIH did not fund any randomized trials. They raised money themselves from their own AIDS patients to collect the data to do a randomized trial. It took them two years. They came back to Dr. Fauci. During those two years, the FDA approved a, uh, AZT as a treatment for AIDS. AZT works, but not completely. It needs other medications as well. And during the, the, the two years that it took them to get this data to come back to Dr. Fauci to support using Bactrim, 17,000 people with AIDS died because of Dr. Fauci's insistence on not allowing even a statement supporting consideration of the use. This has gone on before. Now we have Dr. Fauci denying that any evidence exists of benefit, and that's pervaded the FDA. The FDA has relied on Dr. Fauci and his NIH advisory groups to make the a statement saying that there is no benefit of using hydroxychloroquine in outpatients. And this is counter to the facts of the case. 
the evidence is overwhelming. The FDA has also said that there is the harm of using these medications in outpatients overweighs the benefit. And in fact, they said this with no information, no evidence whatsoever of any harm in outpatient use. And this is provable both by the fact that the FDA's webpage says as a warning against outpatient use, but says it relies on inpatient hospital data, which means they don't have any outpatient data, as well as the fact that 90% of the cases of COVID this year have occurred since the time that the FDA restricted usage to inpatients only. So the FDA knows that it has no data for outpatients and no data on harm, and yet it denied the Henry Ford petition for outpatient usage. Dr. Fauci and the FDA are doing the same thing that was done in 1987, and that's led to the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Americans who could have been saved by usage of this drug. And this is the same thing that the FDA has done. It's outrageous. People need to be writing or calling their congressmen and senators and complaining that this is not the way the country should work, that a bureaucracy that's in bed with other forces that are causing them to make decisions that are not based on the science that is killing Americans is not acceptable. Well, at a minimum, they ought to be reaching out to experts like you and experts all over the country who have something to contribute to this. I mean, after all, it's a pandemic, and constantly going on TV and telling everybody to wear a mask over and over and over again and social distancing, that doesn't sound very scientific to me. I want to thank you, Dr. Risch, for your courage, for your insight, for publishing what you're publishing. I know that it can't be easy, but it's a very, very important public service. God bless you. Nah, that guy pops up again. Okay. All right. So there you have it, guys. That's uh, That was a, another damning uh, type of interview there against Dr. Fauci. And apparently he's got his fingers in a lot of pies uh, over the years. Okay. So we're going to wrap up today's report um, with this from uh, Hunter Biden's best friend, Tucker Carlson. Um, and uh, this is basically uh, something that he just put out. Um, like, I don't, I don't really listen to Tucker anymore. I used to, like maybe I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, um, probably before this COVID thing, I kind of stopped, I started tuning him out, but, but, you know, he still delivers good. He still delivers good, uh, good, uh, you know, TV. So, but like I said, this is Hunter Biden's best friend right here. Couldn't tell us where he was that whole time, but we knew where he was. Okay. I don't want to get it. I don't want to get into that because I'm going to end up just like, uh, you know, overshooting my message here. This is, we're going to wrap up today with uh, what he had to say in regards to uh, Dr. Fauci and these emails. I'm sure some of you guys have seen it already, but we're going to archive it here on the C report. Let's hope there's not a commercial. Her Carlson tonight, the utter fraudulence of Tony Fauci is obvious now and it's widely acknowledged, but it was not always obvious. In March of last year, we interviewed Fauci on this show. We treated him with respect. We took his answer seriously. We're Americans, so we assumed the man in charge of protecting the U.S. from COVID must be rational and impressive. We also assumed he must be honest. But we were wrong. It soon became clear that Tony Fauci was just another sleazy federal bureaucrat, deeply political and often dishonest. More shocking than that, we then learned that Fauci himself was implicated in the very pandemic he'd been charged with fighting. Fauci supported the grotesque and dangerous experiments that appeared to have made COVID possible. We came to these conclusions incrementally, spurred by evidence that accumulated over the course of the year. Tonight, 
we have the mother load. Thanks to a freedom of information request from BuzzFeed, we have thousands of emails to and from Anthony Fauci. They go back to the early winter of 2020. Collectively, they show that from the beginning, Tony Fauci was worried that the public might conclude COVID had originated at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, why would Tony Fauci be concerned that Americans would conclude that? Possibly because Tony Fauci knew perfectly well that he had funded gain-of-function experiments at that very same laboratory. Emails prove that Fauci lied about this under oath. Consider this exchange, which began the evening of January 31st, 2020. It was a Friday just before midnight. The first email came from an immunologist called Christian Anderson, who works at the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla, California. Anderson warned Fauci that COVID appeared to have been possibly manipulated in a laboratory. Here's an honest way to hey. make yourself 800. Okay. You know, I knew there was a commercial coming up in here because I was watching this earlier, but I'm glad it's not the commercial <laughs> that it had earlier. It was that commercial where the guy's like, did you know there's like X amount of pounds of waste in your body? I think you guys know what I'm talking about. All right. Okay. It's back. Quote, the unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome, less than 0.1%. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features potentially look engineered. The next day on February 1st, Tony Fauci wrote back, thanks, Christian. Talk soon on the call. Fauci then sent an urgent email to his deputy, a man called Hugh Auchincloss. The subject of that email, in all caps, was important. Quote, Hugh. It is essential that we speak this AM. Keep your cell phone on. Read this paper as well as the email that I will forward. You will have tasks today that must be done. Attached to that email was a document. It was entitled, quote, Barrick She et al. Nature Medicine SARS Gain of Function PDF. Now, the Barrick in the attachment referred to Ralph Barrick, a virologist based in the U.S., who collaborated with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Mark worked with a woman called Dr. Shi Sheng Li, known as the Bat Lady, because she manipulates coronaviruses that infect bats. She was the she in the attachment. Now, keep in mind that during the questioning from Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky fairly recently, Tony Fauci denied that this same Ralph Barak had conducted gain-of-function research. Again, this is the Ralph Barak in Fauci's attachment, which was entitled Barak She et al. SARS gain-of-function dot PDF. And yet, under oath before the United States Congress, Fauci denied this. Dr. Barrett does not do gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina. And if you look at the grant, and you look at the progress reports, it is not gain-of-function, despite the fact that people tweet that. Oh, it wasn't just on Twitter. It was in Fauci's own emails. In retrospect, that looks a lot like perjury. We do know that starting early last year, a lot of people at NIH were worried that COVID had not occurred naturally. They were concerned it had been instead manipulated in a lab in China. And yet they seemed determined to hide those facts from the public. Again, why? On the afternoon of February 1st last year, Fauci held a conference call with several top virologists. Most of the details of that call were made hidden from public view. They've been adapted. We know the call was related to a document entitled Coronavirus Sequence Comparison. Jeremy Farrar, a British physician who runs a major research nonprofit, 
reminded everyone on the call that what they said was top secret. Quote, information and discussion is shared in total confidence and not to be shared until agreement on next steps, end quote. In other emails, Jamie Farrar passed along an article from the website Zero Hedge. That piece suggested the coronavirus might have been created as a bioweapon. We now know that is a more plausible explanation than the one we believed at first and were told by the media, which is that corona came from a pangolin. And yet for the crime of saying that out loud, a more plausible explanation, Zero Hedge was banned from social media platforms. Until recently, you were not allowed to suggest that COVID might be man-made. Why couldn't you suggest that? The fact checkers wouldn't allow it. Why wouldn't they? Because Tony Fauci assured the tech monopolies that the coronavirus could not have been man-made. And so the tech monopolies shut down the topic. Watch Fauci lie. Naha. Oh, you know what? We can watch like There's communists <laughs> everywhere. I don't, I don't mind seeing the Communist uh, Party yeah. has been subverting America. The, ep- the Epoch Times. I don't, I don't mind if they play a commercial. <laughs> highly qualified evolutionary virologist look at the sequences there and the sequences in uh, bats as they evolve and the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. That was April 17th, 2020, very shortly into the course of this pandemic. At that point, what Tony Fauci just asserted as known could not conclusively have been known. That was a lie. Tony Fauci suggested that he knew because top researchers had decided conclusively that this must have jumped naturally from an animal to a human being. But again, at that point, he could not have known that. That was dishonest. Two days after he said that, one of the virologists that Tony Fauci had funded to conduct dangerous coronavirus experiments in Wuhan wrote to thank him for the help. That man, a man called Peter Daszak, complained to Fauci that the American tax dollars he'd taken for these experiments were being, quote, publicly targeted by Fox News reporters. Yet Daszak remained grateful for Tony Fauci's support. Quote, I just wanted to say a personal thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborators, end quote. Now, strangely, most of this specific email from Daszak to Fauci has been redacted, and it was redacted under FOIA section B7A. That specific exemption to the FOIA law applies to, quote, records or information compiled for law enforcement purposes, but only to the extent that production of those documents could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings. Are Peter Daszak and Tony Fauci under criminal investigation? We can only hope they are. They certainly deserve it. At this point, we can't say for sure. We do know that Fauci hasn't simply lied about the origins of COVID, pretending to know things he could not know. He has also lied about vaccines in key ways. In March of last year, former Obama official Zeke Emanuel wrote to Fauci to ask a very simple question, one that we've asked countless times. Are people who have recovered from COVID generally immune from getting infected with COVID once again? That applies to about 100 million Americans, so it's not a small question. Fauci's response, quote, no evidence in this regard, but you would assume that there would be substantial immunity post-infection. Well, yes, you would assume that. We always have. And in fact, studies now show it is true. People who have had COVID and recovered almost never get sick again from COVID. So they don't need to be vaccinated. Yet to this day, Tony Fauci has never admitted that in public. In his email to Zeke Emanuel, he admitted something else that's also now obvious. Surgical masks, the paper kind all of us wear, 
don't really work. They offer very little protection from COVID. In fact, at least one study shows they may accelerate transmission of viruses. They are, in short, a form of make-believe. Yet once again, while under oath in public, Tony Fauci claimed precisely the opposite. You're and telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not a vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we have immunity there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any sign. I, I totally disagree with you. Hey, I cut it that time. That should be the last commercial on this uh, thingamajigger here. Okay. Thanks, guys, for hanging in there. We're almost through it. As a physician, he's smart. What he just said was true, and the science shows that it's true. There's not much debate about it, actually, among honest people. But Tony Fauci claimed it wasn't true. He lied. Why would he do that? Well, here's one reason. The emails show that Tony Fauci speaks regularly to Bill Gates. That's odd. Bill Gates is not a doctor. Bill Gates is not a scientist. Bill Gates is a very rich man who made billions making mediocre software for office computers. So why would Tony Fauci be in such regular contact with Bill Gates? The term Bill Gates comes up more than two dozen times when you search the Fauci emails. Has Bill Gates profited in any way from Tony Fauci's COVID guidance? That would definitely be worth knowing immediately. And yet we don't know. Our media don't seem interested in finding out. In fact, here's how CNN covered the emails today. Quote, thousands of emails from and to Dr. Fauci revealed the weight that came with his role as a rare source of frank honesty within the Trump administration's COVID-19 task force. Can you imagine a more dishonest characterization of anything than that? It's hard to. By the way, it wasn't just CNN. No reporters asked about these emails at today's White House press briefing. Not one question. But you shouldn't be surprised. Of course they didn't ask. Tony Fauci is too big to question at this point. Quote, oh my God, one Biden voter wrote to Tony Fauci back in March. Is there anything I can do for you besides being grateful? Wash my feet with your tears, Fauci may have responded. We can't say that he did respond that way for certain. We don't have his reply. We do know that in affluent neighborhoods throughout Northwest Washington, D.C., you can still see signs that say, thank you, Dr. Fauci. What does that tell you? It tells you that Tony Fauci is no longer a scientist, assuming he ever was one. Tony Fauci is a figure of religious veneration. He is Jesus for people who don't believe in God. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Okay, we don't need to hear about Sean Hannity. All right, guys. So that, that wraps it up. Now, I mean, something was going through my mind Um listening to uh, Hunter Biden's best friends talk about Dr. Fauci. Um, the audit, election audits, we need to be distracted from that. But you guys know what else is kind of circling, you know, the, the prey there is the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, that's something that they really need to cover up because it's going to show how their family is directly tied 
and I, I mean uh, Hunter, Joe, um, his brother, and his, uh, I think his, uh, his brother's wife, I mean Joe, Joe Biden's brother, and then Hunter Biden's brother's wife, they're all tied to China, and then of course there's more stuff in there about Burisma, there's more stuff about how uh, Hunter Biden was like basically an international world traveler, a very high functioning crackhead, right? Very high functioning, probably borderline genius, right? And and of course, they need to cover that up also because then they'll be able to throw what Rico at uh, uh, Joe Biden and the family. They'll be able to show all the treason that they're doing there. So I bet you that's why this is also coming up too with Fauci. Fauci's it's time for him to take the fall. Because they need to cover up the Hunter Biden laptop, which is coming back into the news a little bit at a time, and then the election audits. I bet you those are the two things, right? They need they need illegitimate Joe to be in office just a little bit longer. But I mean, I know I hear people saying, when will justice come? I mean, in my eyes, we're closer than we've ever been at this point. I'm not gonna give up hope on it. I'm not gonna I'm gonna keep on holding on. I think that's the least that we can do, at least at least that's the least I can do on my end besides trying to like analyze these headlines for people out there but um and for the viewers that appreciate it but anyhow all right guys i hope you enjoyed the c report for today again if um if you'd like definitely catch the replays over at the foxhole if not you can follow me over at twitch.tv slash the c report uh and then you know i mean you know i was like before oh we can go over to twitch if you want to see an hd but you can see an hd now at the foxhole.app so that's kind of cool too if you'd like to catch the podcast I'm over at anchor.fm slash the C report. I do try and get those uploaded um, as soon as I can post show. So this way, if you'd like to hear it instead of see it or, or have me in your ears, I'm not too good. Sometimes I accidentally forget that I have a podcast and then, you know, they might have like a, a really bad video or something that I don't narrate or something like that. Also check me out at rumble.com slash the C slash the C report. I will have every episode of the C report dropping there soon. And that's going to be going all the way back to February of this year, February 1st or 2nd. I've been doing it Monday to Friday, every day since then I have every show available. Not all of them are a uh, video. Some of them are just going to be the audio. Cause I didn't start doing video for it uh, right off the bat, but I started doing video probably somewhere around mid March. Um, but, but anyways, so follow me there, guys, if you'd like. Again, uh, thanks to those who um, dropped gold pills. Um, uh, I do appreciate that most absolutely, most definitely. I will I will call you out by name in the recap tomorrow. Um, and then otherwise, you know, I also have my cash app there available on the foxhole.com, uh, foxhole app. Sorry, the foxhole.app. Don't, don't hang me, guys. I promise. I'll get it right. All right. And then um, also, if you're at pill.net, please follow me there so you can, uh, you know, stay abreast on whenever I might be going live because I do it kind of erratically now, uh, but I will work on getting a set schedule again because, you know, we're now a two-hour program. We're not just one hour anymore, so that's kind of why working on timetables and stuff like that. But also, Mr. C in the dark, uh, we'll be doing news and chat, um, casually speaking, uh, uh, maybe two or three times a week. Um, so that's also something I get to have fun and engage you guys actually in, during chat as opposed to uh, not being able to say uh, hello or respond to your chat as much as I do during the C-Report. But for Mr. C in the Dark, 
most definitely we'll have that there for you guys. All right. Um, have a great rest of your evening. Have a great dinner or lunch, wherever you might be, um, and enjoy your time um, while you have the rest of this Thursday to enjoy it, because we'll be back again tomorrow for another good day and another good report here at the Sea Report. Till then, we'll see you all next time. Have a good night, America. <laughs>